When I was in college, my best friend was my roommate. And every year that I was at SMU, we roomed together. And we had a very close relationship. And one of the life lessons I got was in August of 1978. George was my roommate, and we had an opportunity to go and see our dorm room for the upcoming year. So with excitement, we went to go see our dorm room, and fortunately, it was captured in an artist rendition. That's, that's our room. This is the actual moment we walked into the room. And I'm not the world's greatest artist, but I need you to understand the layout of our dorm room to understand the lesson that I got. And it applies for our sermon. Now, as you can see, the, the doorway was over here, and we walked in. And, you know, dorm rooms aren't real large, but it was laid out very nice. There was a, a bed about here and another bed. And then over here was a great big window. And Virginia Hall at SMU was an old building, and the first thing that went through my mind was window, air leakage, cold in winter. I was a weird kid. <laughs> so we, we were surveying the room, and I go, well, George, uh, what bed do you want? And George goes, well, I want the bed furthest from the door. George, I'm sorry, but that's the bed I want because I want the bed furthest from the window. And George is like, well, you can't have it because I am sleeping in the bed furthest from the door. George, I am not going to accept anything but the bed farthest from the window. And the conversation kind of went on for a little while. And maybe you have picked up on the fallacy of the argument here. I finally said, well, George, wait a minute. Sit down on the bed that you want. So he went sat down on the bed closest to the window. It's like, George, we're arguing over the same thing. You want that bed, and I want this bed. You see, we were too busy telling each other what we wanted to hear what the other one was saying. We weren't listening. And, and so whenever I encounter situations where listening is important, I'm reminded about this encounter in Virginia Hall. As you keep that lesson in mind, I you to think about our church. And you see, since we had our business meeting, in my mind, I thought a lot about things that people said. It was a, I it was a great business meeting. People shared their heart. And people were wondering, what's next? Where are we going to go? What's going to happen? And so I've been busy praying. I've been telling God, God, we need a facility. God, we need more workers. God, we need more resources. We need this. We need that. And then Carl asked me if I would preach this Sunday. And so I began looking for passages that would be appropriate. And I got drawn to the stories of the resurrection. And there's 
about a, just shy of a dozen stories about Jesus' appearances after the resurrection. And I began to read these references and thinking about them and how people must have felt as they saw Jesus after he had died. And the questions that they had to be thinking about in their minds were, how do I sort this out? What's Jesus going to do next? What does this mean for me? How are we going to accomplish things? There, there's a human part of me that would think about, boy, wouldn't it have been great for Jesus to go to Pilate's house and say, hey, punches? Because, you know, that's the, that's the human part of me. I, wanna, I, want, I want to see the victory now. In fact, something you don't know about me that I'll reveal now is when I read a book, I like to read the last page first. I can enjoy the book so much better if I know how the story turns out. When I was growing up, I saw all movies twice because I was to the end. Let me know how this ends. Okay, now I know how it ends. Great, I can go back and enjoy the movie. So when I thought about these post-resurrection stories, I kept thinking, boy, some of those people I bet were like me. They wanted Jesus to whip out a pamphlet that included all the steps that were going to bring the kingdom about. Because that's what I would want. I would want to know. But then I began to read some of the commentaries about these and read some sermons that other people had done on them. And one of the things I had never considered about the appearances of Jesus in a resurrected body, giving proof that he wasn't a ghost, was the thought that can be summarized here from when Jesus was about to bring Lazarus back and he was talking and they were like, oh, if you'd only been here, Jesus, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, he will rise again. And what does it say? Martha said, if you had been here, sorry, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And one of the commentators I was reading said, one of the things people were dealing with after Jesus was walking around after his death and resurrection was, is this the end of time? Is, is this it? Is, is the kingdom to come, the, the next world? What, what's going to happen? We, we've always heard the resurrection's at the end. And I never thought about that. So I could relate to these people wanting to know what's going to happen next. How's it going to happen? They were even wanting to know this. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, great, what am I going to do? No, they said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This must be it. You're going to march down to Pilate's house, right? And tell him, leave. My kingdom is ready to be established. But that wasn't it. So I focused in on the passage in John 21. I want to share it with you and then share some thoughts that I had coming out of John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. I've always felt sorry for those two other disciples. Didn't rate a mention. I'm going to go fish, Simon Peter said. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered back. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Think about that, that moment. Here the disciples have traveled to Galilee. They're wondering about these things that I've been sharing with you. And now Jesus appears to him, this miraculous catch of fish. And, and you've heard sermons on it, what the, what the catch meant. But I kept thinking about, boy, I wonder what they talked about at breakfast. Said so he didn't ask, oh, are you really Jesus? I said they knew it was Jesus, but what did they talk about? Because I know if I had been there, I would have had a lot of questions that I would wanted to ask. 
I don't know if I would have had the guts to ask the questions, but I knew I would have had a lot of questions. And I'd be waiting for those answers. And as, as I thought about that, suddenly the light bulb came on. That was the same thing I was doing in regards to our church. I was telling God a whole lot of stuff. But I was kind of back in that dorm room in Virginia Hall. God, I got a laundry list of things here. But I wasn't listening. I wasn't taking time to listen to what God might be saying to me. And so what I've taken out of this time is, first of all, I need to be doing something going forward. And what it is, I need to start adding some quiet in my quiet time. I'm reading scripture. I'm, I sing songs, you know, oftentimes songs that we sing here. They're, you know, they're, they're stuck in my head, and I'll, I'll be singing them in my, my head as, as I'm having my quiet time. And then I start praying through the list of things that I have but I need to bring in some quiet time. Is God saying something to me? The second thing that I thought about was, all right, how do I stay on course? And this is where y'all get in trouble because I'm asking you to help me. I want you, when you see me here on a Sunday morning, go, so Terry, did you have some quiet in your quiet time today? Did you find some place where you could go and have that undisturbed time? I want you to hold me accountable. Help me to be accountable because the main lesson I've learned from the past couple of weeks is it's not about making sure we're praying about things, but it's about asking God, what can I do? to help my church. God, what can I do to help our elders? God, what can I do to help our pastor? What can I do? And if you'll join me in praying about what can I do, God's going to take care of everything else as we listen. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for the lessons that we learn from your word and how we're thankful that as we read about these events after the resurrection, they remind us that these were people just like you and I here in this room. And Father, without your spirit and without your guidance, we are lost. And so, Father, we pray that you will help us to hear your voice and do the will that you have laid out for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.